I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. In this episode, I'm talking to my friend Rachel Paverman. We talk about her journey coming back from five strokes and three craniotomies at age 25. And now she's written a book about her experience called To the Abyss. So let's get into it. Boom, intro done. Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Lauren. And we are the, the Narrow Nerds. Nerds. Yes, that was on time. I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about that. The Neural Nerds Podcast has over 200 episodes and counting. So if you're new to the show, you may not know where to begin. That's why we created an episode tour. We'll guide you through some of our favorite episodes and give you a taste of what our show is all about. Sign up for the tour at newsletter.theneuronerds.com forward slash tour or find the link in our show notes. We hope you enjoy the tour. Welcome to the Neural Nerds. Running theme, very special episode this week with me all the way from New Jersey, my new dear friend, Rachel. What's up, Rach? How are we doing? What's up? How are you? I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that you are here. You know, um, I have been better. I complained right before we uh, started to record that I'm a picker. So when I get nervous, like I'll, I'll pick like the cuticles on my fingers or like I'll <laughs> pick like the little extra skin on your lip. And I did that and I gave myself like a blister thing. It hurts. So every time I drink something or eat something, it hurts. My fingers hurt. That's how I'm feeling over here. How the heck are you? I'm great. You know, couldn't be better. Um, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I live in Jersey and I haven't looked outside to see if it's like sunny or rainy, but inside I feel great. So <laughs> they, that's all that matters. That. Yeah, yeah, right. That's all that matters. If you're feeling good inside, it doesn't really matter what's happening outside. So exactly. Rachel, my friend. How are you part of this amazing community? So I am part of this community. I had a cavernous malformation of my brainstem. It was discovered in 2019 and I suffered from, they think it's about five strokes. 
I don't know the period of when they occurred, but they say it was about five strokes. So you were just like, you know what? I'm diving headfirst into this community. I want there to be no doubt that I'm a brain injury survivor. One, no. Two, get out of here. Three, get (laughs) right out of town. I'm going for five. Five strokes. Now, did they happen over the course of like weeks or were they all like within kind of a short period of time? Well, I know for a fact that what happened when I was in the hospital, I don't know when the others occurred. But when he entered my brain, he saw that there was like five different colors of blood, which kind of has him assume that there was at least five strokes. Whoa. I'm assuming the different colors are like the the amount of time that the blood was kind of floating around in your head. Right. Like, right. oh, that's so weird. Oh, that's so yeah. weird, Rachel. I know. I know. I know. I, I was 25. So mm-hmm. maybe they started when I was 20 and happened over five years or oh. maybe they happened over five months. But <laughs> does it, does um, it kind of mess with, and we'll does, never does it mess with out, your head? But. Does it mess with your head that you don't know exactly when it happened? It kind of does. And it's weird because, like, they say that this was in my brain since I was born. Yeah. And I know that growing up, I used to get, like, really dizzy a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, I would always get dizzy. And it wouldn't last long. But to me, I didn't know anything different. So I thought it was normal. I thought everyone got that. I didn't know, you know. I, I tell people all the time, you know, pain isn't normal discomfort isn't normal we're not supposed to feel these things now i understand you've dealt with it your whole life so it's just like yeah this is just what it is i was kind of the same way when it came to like migraines and like pains around my body because i never went to the hospital or anything so i never was diagnosed with anything so i was just like oh no it's supposed to hurt when you walk (laughs) people are supposed to be in this amount of pain but no pain is not normal and discomfort is not normal did it ever get to the point where it's like i need to go to the hospital i just really don't feel good you know i can't walk i can't talk any of that well growing up i always knew that something was wrong and i feel like my whole life i was trying to just like figure out the mystery of what was wrong with me i've been to rheumatologist i went to endocrinologist i went to therapy i thought i had anxiety like my whole life, there was always something and I never put my finger on what until it got to the point where it bled and I had to go to the hospital. I, I didn't know. So. Wow. Yeah. So the, the day it happened, walk me through that day. What happened that day that like, how did it start? How did it like, you know, when did it hit the point where it's like, oh, this isn't right. And like, um, when did you decide to go to the hospital? So it's kind of crazy because in June of 2019 I remember when it first got like to the point where I'm like okay something is really not right I woke up and I went to drink the water on my nightstand and I had trouble like swallowing it and I didn't know like I mean I thought I mean I could swallow it but the problem was I had to think about swallowing it in order to swallow it so that was the first thing that I was like, all right, something was really, you know, wrong here. And then over the next like month or two, I started getting dizzy spells. Um, I was crying and laughing at like weird things. I remember one day at work, 
I had like a meeting with my boss and she was just going over, you know, my performance and all that. Um, and I just started like laughing at nothing. It was so embarrassing. And I went up to my coworker one day and I just started laughing and I just like couldn't control it. It was just so strange. My anxiety was like out of control. I couldn't drive. Like I used to drive to work and get so anxious that I had to like pull over. And it was just like an easy drive, but I was just, I knew something was wrong, you know? Well, I, I'm just blown away that it was like, yeah, this thing happened here. Oh, and then like a month later, it's like, how did you deal with that for so long? Well, it's crazy because I started getting symptoms in June. I didn't discover it until September. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I know. I went to therapy. I went to my uh, regular doctor and she did like thyroid scans and all that crap. But I took it into my own hands to go to a neurologist because I was looking shit up online and <laughs> I thought I had ALS. I thought I had multiple sclerosis and I was like freaking out. So I went to a neurologist and he did all those like basic tests, like just visually looking at me, seeing my strength, like all that. And he's like, you know what? Like everything looks normal here. I'm going to order an MRI for you just to be sure. And you know how America, you have to get everything authorized. You're going to have to pay a crap ton of money. So I was like, you know, this is stupid. Like I'm going to get an MRI. It's going to come back normal. So why am I going to pay for it? Why am I going to go out of my way to get this done? So I, I don't know what it was. Something in me decided to get that MRI. So I went one day on my lunch break at work. And they do the MRI and he pulls me out of the machine and he's like, we found something on your brain. You have to go straight to the hospital. You can't drive. We have to call an ambulance or someone has to pick you up because you can't drive. And I'm like, what? That's not scary at all. That's not jarring or scary at all. I know. I'm like, hold on. Wait, what? (laughs) Like They thought it was an aneurysm from what they saw. So here I am. My dad picked me up and took me to the hospital. But on the way there, you know, I'm always like looking shit up on Google. But I'm like, I'm not going to do that because if I look it up, I'm going to freak myself out. Yeah. Rachel, I got to tell you, one of the worst things in the world you can do is be one of those. You know what? Let me just go to WebMD. Everything is going to come back cancer. Everything is going to come back terminal. You're going to freak yourself out. Don't do that. Uh, I know. I know. I know. That's exactly how I am, too. So I'm like, I'm not doing that. I was scared to cry because I thought that crying would like rupture it. I'm like, what the hell is in my brain? Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, I get the fear because you don't know. It is. It's the fear of the unknown. Somebody can talk to you about something that's going on with your brain. You have no idea what that's like, you know? Right, right. Right. One thing that's really helped me through my recovery is having the right tools. I wanted to share what I've learned with others who are on their own brain injury recovery journey. So I created a free guide. In my free guide, nine must-have tools for stroke and brain injury recovery. I cover tools to help with occupational and physical therapy, mindset, overstimulation, and more. If you're looking for ways to improve your brain injury recovery, be sure to check out my guide. You can download your copy at usorock.coach forward slash guide. The links are also available in the show notes. 
Thanks for listening, and I hope this guide helps you with your brain injury recovery. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm really thankful that you actually went in for the MRI. Like I really am. That I believe right. saved your life. It did. It did because I was given the choice to operate, but he kind of said to me, like, you can operate now and remove it and you might have some deficits, but they'll be reversed or you can wait and see what happens. But it's like Russian roulette. Like you can wait and it can explode in your brain. You could die. You know, like I'm like, I'm not dealing with that. Right. Yeah. you're, You're you're a baby. You're 25 years old. Right. And I used to travel for work and I was afraid that I would be like in like Barcelona and have like this thing like blow up in my brain, you know? Oh, that's a crazy fear, too, you know, because like you're not home. It's not even like you're in another state. You're in another country. That would be the scariest thing to wake up in a hospital bed in a foreign land. Oh, my gosh. I'm so nervous right now. Yeah, (laughs) I can't imagine. and I'm very anxious. I'm going to start picking my lip again. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. Don't pick your lip. (laughs) Wow. So you went in immediately. Now, was that to um, immediately for surgery? Is that what what's what happened? Well, they thought it was an aneurysm. They had to do an angiogram to see like what it was. So they didn't angio. I went to the hospital on a Thursday. They did an angiogram that Friday, and then that's when they realized it was a cavernoma or cavernous malformation. So I didn't have surgery until September twenty sixth. Yeah, Why so long. I don't know, honestly. But they gave me the choice to like go home for a few days or stay in the hospital and. I wanted to stay because I knew that if I went home, I would struggle with like being able to like get up and be like, all right, I'm going to get in the car now and go to the hospital and have brain surgery, you know? What? It, okay. That's a really <laughs> bizarre choice. Hey, do you want to go home and pretend that this thing that could kill you like at any moment isn't there? Or right. do you want to be around professionals in a very safe environment? That's a weird exactly. choice. What would you do? I, I, I would yell at whoever gave me that choice. That's what I, I would do. I know. Well, I don't oh, know. Gosh. I know. So leading into that surgery, because you were in the hospital, which is good because they were able to monitor you. You know, I think there right. would be a little bit less anxiety. I'm sure there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of anxiety for sure. But I think it's a, uh, I would I would think significantly less because you're around professionals. You know, if something happens, that's their job. Leading into the surgery, what was your mindset? What were you thinking right before your surgery? Honestly, a lot of people like tell me like, oh my God, you're so strong. Like, how did you have that mindset? But really to me, it was like, I didn't have a choice. You had to be strong. You had to think that everything was going to be okay. You know, like you can't go into it thinking, oh my God, like what if I don't wake up? You know? Okay, you can, though. That's the problem. Okay, a lot of people have that that mindset where it's like it's not, oh, you know, they're professionals and they're going to take care of this. It's, oh, I'm going to die. Like, that's it's weird. You know, you have the mindset that I think most of us should have. That isn't the norm, though. There's so much fear um, that takes over and the fear will lie to your face and be like, they don't know what they're doing. They're just talking and you're going to die. Like it's, it's really, it's, it's really crazy. Wow. I'm, I'm actually really happy that that was your mindset going in. I truly think that that helps our recovery. 
going in something and then immediately following. I think mindset is everything. If you're going in with you know negativity or you're just stuck in a certain feeling, that's not going to help. It's going to hinder. Right. But if you're there with like open eyes and hey, no matter what, I'm going to be in a good place. You're going to recover well. I think for me, like my surgeon was the chief of nurse surgery at the hospital. So for me, I felt safe knowing that he was the best one at that hospital to like give me the care that I needed. And I just trusted him and I felt safe with him. And he just made me feel comfortable in knowing that everything would be okay. Good, good. Mo- most uh, neurosurgeon, I'm going to be honest, they're very awkward people. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They're not very easy to talk to. (laughs) Yeah. No, he was his amazing bedside manner. He was so amazing, honestly. Good. That 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 makes me happy. All right. So you go into surgery. You have surgery. Give me the aftermath. What happens next? So I remember I woke up and I couldn't see. So if I were to open my eyes, I remember the ICU bed that I was in faced like the door. The door had a big sticks on it. And if I opened my eyes, the room would literally spin like a windmill, like around in circles. I couldn't open my eyes for like a week. That doesn't seem very comfortable. No. So everyone had to like keep me and I I had to wear a sleep mask like to cover my eyes. Oh, because if you opened your eyes, you would just everything was was some motion. Shit. Whoa. How long did that last? Um, luckily it was only a week. Luckily. Mm-hmm. It could have been, you know, I guess it's nystagmus, but there's different types of it. And that one luckily was only a week. Because if that was my whole life, I wouldn't be able to function, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah, so with some people it, it ends up being like almost permanent. Like that's right. I don't understand. I just don't understand. That's crazy. It's like being on a ride nonstop, you know, like one of right. those spinny rides. Like I, that would yeah. be horrible. It might, yeah. it might be fun. For, it might be fun for like an hour. <laughs> but then after that, it's like, no, this is not how we're supposed to be functioning um, in life. Yeah. So I, after your surgery, what deficits came with? What, what was the aftermath of everything? So I did have some weakness on my right side, but nothing severe. I had some balance issues, but I could still walk. I just had to use like a cane. And they said that the surgery went well and everything would be reversible with therapy and nothing was like permanent or major. So to me, everything was great. You know, I just had to keep my positive attitude and it would get me through and I would recover. So that's kind of how I looked at it after the Mm -hmm. first surgery. Right. So I went to rehab inpatient. Then I went to outpatient rehab. And I remember uh, I was in that for a few months through like early December. And I went to therapy one day and they took my blood pressure. They used to do that like at the beginning of each session. And my blood pressure was like super low. Like, and I remember I was like really dizzy that day, but they're like, yeah, you know, if this is low tomorrow, I think that you should go back to the hospital. So. I was like, okay, you know, just monitoring it. I remember uh, later that day, I walked to the bathroom and I was so dizzy that I like fell into the wall, like of the hallway, like walking to the bathroom. Right. 
And then the next day, it was still very low. So we went back to the hospital. Um, and I started feeling like weird, but it just so happened that my surgeon was out of the country. He was um, at a conference, like speaking at a conference, and he was sharing like my case. Out of all things, he was sharing like my story, like with other surgeons like around the world. So he wasn't even there. But <laughs> so I remember, I think this was December 7th or something or 6th. They just wanted to walk me for the night. So I remember I went to sleep for the night and I woke up in the middle of the night, walked to the bathroom to go to the bathroom. And going back to my bed, I like collapsed. I couldn't walk. Like my leg just like gave out from under me. And I woke up the next morning and the right side of my body was completely paralyzed. Like I couldn't use move my arm. I couldn't move my leg. Like it was just, I couldn't move it. What what was that due to? So they did another MRI after, and they found that the cavernoma was still there. So they thought they removed it, but they it basically like you know if you're doing brain surgery, you can't just like move the tissue around and see like okay, there's some more. Like it's so delicate that they have to just like get what they can and hope for the best. Yeah, it's not like looking for your earring in like on your bedspread <laughs> and just kind of like shoving it around. It doesn't work exactly. that way. <laughs> exactly. That's a perfect analysis right there. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. Now, yeah. right after that. So now you have these issues with one of your sides. Right. And how long how long was it before you were back on your feet basically? Honestly, I'm still trying to get back on my feet to this day <laughs> because that happened on like a Saturday. My surgeon was out of the country and I think they were just trying to stall to wait for him to come back to, to operate on me a second time. But I was declining so fast. Like I was not able to walk, obviously. I couldn't swallow. I was dizzy. I was just like really just getting worse. I couldn't go to the bathroom on my own in the matter of like two days. So that Monday, they operated on me and I had a different surgeon. So he operated on me the second time. I think it was like a six hour surgery or something. And um, he thought he removed the rest of it. So but the issue was, it was like something in my brain was still bleeding. They saw that post-operation, something was still bleeding, but they didn't know what. So he was like, okay, we're going to repeat the MRI in like two hours. And if she's still bleeding, we're going to have to operate on her a third time tonight. Jeez. So, yeah. So my family obviously is like freaking out. I'm sleeping. They kept me asleep. They did the MRI, and luckily, there was no, like, new blood. So everything was good. No third surgery at that point. I stayed in the ICU for about a week, and I was transferred to inpatient hospital for rehab. And after, like, a day of being there, I started declining so bad, like, to the point where 
I wasn't able to talk. I couldn't eat. I couldn't swallow. I couldn't go to the bathroom on my own. I couldn't hear. I couldn't see. But mentally, I was still there because, like, the brain stem affects you, like, in your brain, but not. How great, Rachel, how wild was that? Listen, I had to use a board to communicate. I couldn't talk, but I had to point to letters on a board to say, like, hey, I want this. I need this. And I couldn't really see. So I was, like, trying to point to a J and, like, be in the middle of, like, four letters. You know, I couldn't see anything. Oh, my God. Yeah, because you still, you had the myostagmus. I believe that's how you say it. So nothing is still. Everything is moving. Right. Oh right. my God. <laughs> I just want to give you a hug. Good Lord. I know. I know. I lost the hearing on my left side too. So I couldn't hear anything. Everything was all like muffled. And they were trying to, they actually um, scheduled an appointment with a gastroenterologist to put a peg tube in my stomach, like a feeding tube, because I couldn't eat. I couldn't swallow. Like, they, they were afraid because I was, like, losing a lot of weight. And actually, the day that I was supposed to have the gastro appointment, I had, like, a rapid response where I was given, like, some medication that my, my throat was closing. And I honestly, I thought I was taking a nap. Like, in my perspective, I thought I was taking a nap. But realistically, I was, like, having a reaction to medication and I, like, passed out. So next day I know there's like 10 doctors like crowded around my bed. Like, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, I'm just taking a nap. Like, what are you doing? Like, right. Yeah, I, calm down, I guys. I had no idea what was going on, honestly. Wow. So what did you continue to decline or did, did they end up? So they, I remember a doctor looked at my mom and was like, you need to take her back to the hospital where she had her surgery because like, we can't take care of her here. Like she is like declining so fast. Like she needs surgery. So they, that night they took me back to the hospital um, in an ambulance. And the next morning, or maybe, you know what? The next morning I had an MRI, which showed that my brain was like super swollen. I had hydrocephalus. And if they didn't operate, I was like probably going to die. So he gave my family a choice, like either... You know, she's going to be a vegetable and you know, I couldn't even sit up. Like they had to have pillows like propped up on my sides because I couldn't sit up or I would just like topple over. So he was like, you know, either I do this surgery and hope for the best and see if I can like remove it. Like we'll go in from a different angle or she's going to be a vegetable her whole life. That must have been a very nice conversation to have. Oh my yeah, gosh, that's yeah, just you know, such, just, that's so deep. That's yeah. so like that's such a, a heavy conversation to have with somebody. You know what I mean? Right. And like my family all said, like we want her to have surgery, but he knew that I was mentally there, so he said, you know, I'm going to ask Rachel, and I'm going to give her the choice. And I had the choice, even though I was like basically like not able to do anything, I could still make decisions for myself. So because cognitively, mentally, you were a hundred percent there. It's just physically you were declining. I was a hundred percent there and I was just confused and I didn't know what was happening. But I 
he came in the room, he showed me the MRI, and he gave me the choice. And I remember I pointed to the board and I was like, I want it out. Like, I don't want to wait. I don't want it out. So he cleared his schedule and I had a third surgery the next day. Just overachiever when it comes to strokes, <laughs> when it comes to surgeries, you're like, I'm all in. I know. I have to just like outdo it. You know, it's all or nothing sure. here. You know? <laughs> it's it's all <laughs> and more. You're like you're like yeah. an infomercial. <laughs> you're like, but wait, there's more. <laughs> there's more. Of so course. you had a third surgery. Now, what is it? Okay, three times the charm. Was that the one? Exactly. That's my motto for life. Third time yes. the charm. That's everything. I'm like third times the charm. Everything is like that. So I had the third surgery. The first two times they went from behind my ear. The third time he went from the back, which is riskier, but he didn't have a choice. So it was right. like you—you you have to go through more brain basically that way, right? Right. So he went through the back and he found the clot of the cavernoma, which is kind of like abnormal cluster of brain cells and all that. Um, he said it exploded in my brain stem and there were blood clots all over. And he said that I had hydrocephalus and my brain stem was so swollen that he thought it was going to explode. So if I didn't have the surgery, my brain would have exploded. That, that would have been it. You, like uh, it was yeah. essential that you had that surgery. Right. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that, that's it. That's my story. I think, Rachel, that is fucking amazing. That really is. So after your third surgery, it's so crazy. Like I have to be specific. Well, after your third sur- brain <laughs> surgery, um, after that brain stems and that's dangerous because like that's like oh my gosh I'm, just, I'm so uncomfortable right now <laughs> so after that when did you start to um when did the, the client stop did it stop immediately and then you started to slowly heal yeah so after it was at my brain i was on a ventilator for maybe like two days they were trying to make sure that i could breathe on my own because the brainstem controls like body temperature, breathing, heart rate, and like basically every essential function. Um, so they removed the ventilator and slowly like took me off like the anesthesia and I could talk right away. Um, obviously I was paralyzed still, so I couldn't walk, but I could talk and I could eat slowly. After a couple of days, I was able to eat. Do you remember learning to swallow again? I remember I didn't have to learn, but I was so afraid to take the first bite. I remember the first food that I I requested Wendy's. So my dad went to (laughs) Wendy's and got me like chicken nuggets. So I remember my mom like cut them up like super small. And I was just so afraid to take the first bite. But I was okay. I was fine. See, is there anything that Wendy's Nuggets can't cure? Exactly, and a frosty and some fries. It's a well, shit. you have to you have to dip a fry in the frosty. Like you Hell have to yeah. do that. Hell yeah, yeah. yeah. See, you're East Coast. You understand that. People over here oh, in the West yeah. Coast, they don't really understand that you they dip don't. fries in frosties. You know, you guys don't get it. You know, you, you'll you'll learn. You'll learn. You'll get there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you'll get there. So, so after the oh my god, that's so weird. After the third brain surgery. What deficits were you left with? So I had 
facial paralysis on the left side of my face, right side of paralysis on my body. I couldn't see very well. I have nystagmus to this day. I have nystagmus. I have dizziness. I have, I did have problems with like my heart rate and my body temperature, but that leveled out. So that's good now, but. So I have a, a, a question about your doctors and your feelings, right? Yeah. Is there any ill will towards the doctor for missing, not getting the whole thing, the first surgery? <sighs> I am struck with this to this day. And like, I do kind of have ill will, but at the same time, like I respect him and I trusted him. And I've learned that like, it's not, it wasn't his fault because like, you can see what you can see and you can remove what you can remove, but there is a chance that it could be like not fully removed. And I do like toy around with the idea of like, if I went to a hospital that specialized in cavernomas, if they would have been able to get it all, but I can't like think in that world and see yes. like what if, you know? Agreed. Agreed. You'll drive yourself crazy. Like you, you really will. I think it's okay to process some stuff out. You have to think about it, but just not getting stuck there. Cause the reality is it's your brain. You know, um, I, I had a friend who has a, um, an AVM on her brainstem, like on her brainstem. So it's not, it doesn't look like it's going to rupture. It hasn't grown. And I think it's six years now. So the doctors gave her the option. They're like, hey, we can go in and get it or you can just like kind of wait it out. Right. Because right. it's on the brainstem. The the chances of something really bad happening are very high because it's a very delicate surgery. So right. you can't again, you can't just move these sheets around looking for your earring. It's very, <laughs> very delicate. So she chose to just kind of like check it every year to make sure it's not growing. And then eventually, apparently, with uh, the way uh, uh, science is moving, they'll be able to do it with like a laser, like a, a non-invasive surgery pretty soon. So that's that's still like a decade away. But, you know, it hasn't grown since. So she would rather wait it out instead of taking a chance of them going in to remove it and then doing something horrific where it's like, oh, I don't know math anymore. I don't know. I don't know whatever deficits would come with it. But um I don't know what I would do in that position. Like, I don't, I don't know if I could, cause I tend to drive myself crazy with everything. Yeah. I would be like you. I'm like, Oh, let me go on Google and drive myself insane. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. So now after, after this whole ordeal, right. How was your mindset after the facts? Well, I kind of, I just, you know, my life kind of flashed before my eyes. So like, to me, I can, just look at life differently and like I can take everything and appreciate it for what it is not take anything for granted like I try to like preach to people that doing little things like brushing your teeth or doing the dishes or doing laundry or like stupid shit that you don't want to do is so it's so special because for me it's so difficult to do those things and I can do them but I took for granted the abilities to do it when I could. Are you finding it hard to recover at home after stroke? Find out if Modus Nova can help you by taking their free online assessment at modusnova.com slash the neuronerds. If you haven't heard of Modus Nova, they make devices to help folks with a brain injury like stroke regain the use of their affected limbs. For example, the Modus Hand is an AI-powered robotic exoskeleton that helps users do exercises and play games, similar to the way an occupational or a physical therapist might manipulate the limb. 
It helps survivors get in the thousands of repetitions they need to form new neural pathways. It can assist with hand movements or resist them to provide a personalized exercise experience. If this sounds like something you want to try, visit modusnova.com slash theneuronerds to learn more. Use special code theneuronerds when you sign up and get a month free with the 30-day challenge. Just visit modusnova.com slash theneuronerds to get started. Right. Look, it's uh, our brain injuries have given us a different perspective, right? We have an appreciation for things like doing laundry. Like, honestly, the smallest thing that you just never, ever thinking about, like literally waking up, opening your eyes and being able to see things. Right. And in your case, Rach, opening your eyes and being able to see things that aren't constantly moving. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) really take advantage of the things that you can do, you know, it like really because like that. It could be gone. Like, that's what's crazy. Like one minute you're this, the next minute, you know, you're waking up and having your third brain surgery. (laughs) That's so crazy. You have done something that's amazing, though, Rachel. And I just think it's so and it's it speaks to who you are. You've done something amazing. You wrote a book about your situation. I did. I did. So it's called To the Abyss. And I remember actually I was released from the hospital in February of 2020 and COVID started in March. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So like the most crucial point when I should be in therapy was just like shot. Like my therapy was shut down. I had no idea what I was doing. So I just started like writing down my story and documenting like everything that happened while I was able to. And the crazy part is that I was still, you know, struggling with my vision. I couldn't use my right hand. I'm right-handed. So I wrote the whole book on my phone with my left hand. (laughs) Wow. You know what? Where where there's a will, there's a way. And I love that. Rachel, again, this speaks to who you are. And any survivor out there, oh, but there's things that I can't do. Look, Rachel could not write with her dominant hand. So she decided to write an entire book with her left hand on her phone. That's phenomenal. I love, damn it. Damn it, Rachel. I love that. I think that's, that's incredible. When you wrote the book, was it therapeutic just to get it out? Was it something that like you felt you needed to do? It really was therapeutic. Like I didn't look at it that way at first, but as I was doing it, I really felt like it was therapeutic for me. And I actually was in a relationship during all of this. And during the, the, the process of me writing the book, he, we broke up. So oh, what a dick. Was, I hate that guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that because I'm sure he'll listen to this. Oh, good. I, I hope you're listening, you dick. Sorry. I'm vicious. <laughs> I, oh one God. thing I am, Rachel, I am viciously loyal to my people and you're my people. So anything, even it, honestly, it could have been your fault. I'm going to blame him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have my own feelings about that. But for me, it was very therapeutic because after my story, I started journaling and I put that in the book too. So I have journal entries, which outlined, I had two facial surgeries. I had an eye surgery. I talk about my breakup. I talk about moving. I just, it's like I had a whole life change on top of like everything that happened to me. Right. And this is all coming from somebody in 
her twenties. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. and, and I you, look, you're a grown ass woman. You are right. But you're still in your twenties. You're still kind of figuring out what it's like to be the version of yourself that you're going to be. You know what I mean? And then all of this stuff hit you. It is phenomenal to me that you are as bright as you are right now, like as as full of like positive light as you are right now, because you have every reason to just to be pissed off, bitter and angry at the world. But you're one of the kindest people I've ever met. Like you're you're a sweetheart. And is that have you been this way your whole life or is just just something that like this is a shift that's happened after your brain injury? Thank you. I'd like to think that I was always a sweetheart, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think that I was always like a good person, but definitely what happened to me was eye-opening and it kind of changed my perspective on how to treat people and how to look at life and just so many different things that I wouldn't be able to do if this didn't happen to me. I, okay. You know, I'm a fan of yours already, right? After that statement, like I'm even a bigger fan because that's the mindset that I feel that we all should have. I hate and I really do. I don't like the word hate. Actually, I like it. I just don't like to feel it. (laughs) I really strongly dislike the fact that it took us almost dying to come with come back with this perspective, right? To truly appreciate things that we would have never appreciated, it sucks that it takes that anybody out there, any normie, that's what I call people without brain injuries, any normie out there, don't wait for a horrific situation to happen in your life to truly appreciate your day to days. Literally, the fact that you can brush your own teeth, the fact that you can open your eyes and the world isn't moving, the fact that you can stand up. Look, the the, the most simple of things, the fact that you can swallow Right. Just these basic things that you take for granted. Don't take them for granted anymore. Life is beautiful. Don't wait for something horrific to happen before you actually see that. You know, Uh, I'm I'm thankful that we have that new perspective. I am not all of us have that. Not all of us can accept that. Hey, life is different. Now, I say this a lot. We're different. Right. The old version of ourselves, that person's not coming back. And I and I don't say that to be a dick and like, oh, well, everything's it. no, no, things are different. They don't have to be worse. They can be even better. The fact that you have this new perspective, this next version, Rachel 2.0 can be the best version of yourself ever. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. doesn't have to be, oh, what was me? I can't do these things. No, but you can still do all of these other things. And you're also seeing it through a different lens. Do you feel that or do you still have that little bit of bitterness in the back of your head? No, I actually look at it like the old me. I look at photos of the old me and I'm like, who is this person? I almost feel like I like mourn me. Like I'm definitely a new person after this happened. It's crazy that like I am different, but I feel like I'm a better person and I just appreciate things. Like I used to love going to the gym and working out and like now I just, I can still do it, but I just do it differently. And I just have to find ways to do everything like I used to. Rachel, if you were here, I would just give you the biggest squeeze. That is incredible. And that's the way we should all see things. My friend um, Morena, she was on the show and she was told by her shitty doctor in front of her mother that she would never walk again, that she was just going to be in a wheelchair the rest of her life, which, by the way, Dick, why would you say that? Like you're taking hope away from somebody. In that moment, most people would just break. In that moment, her first thought was, I'm going to be in the Paralympics. 
I'm going to, you know, I'm going to live my best life no matter what, whether I can walk or not. Now she's walking, she's dancing because the doctor's an idiot. Um, but I'm just <laughs> say, saying that mindset, that immediate, no, this isn't the end. This is just the beginning of a new chapter. Right. And I'm going to live my best possible life, even if it isn't the exact same is different. Yeah. It does not have to be worse. You know, look, I don't know if you would have been an author if you didn't have your brain injury. You are now an amazing published author. Like, how cool is that? Yeah, I definitely 100 percent with confidence would not write a book if this didn't happen to me. I don't read at all, ever. So. Yeah, I just I feel like I just had a story to tell and I had so much to say. And while I could remember every detail, I wanted to just get it written down. And I think that's so beautiful. You know, I I always think sharing our stories is essential because it's great for us because we kind of need to get it out. Like even right now, just talking about this, I'm sure there's a little bit of a weight that's lifted off your shoulder to get it out. And on the flip side, the there's people out there who are listening who are like, oh, she can do it. So can I, you know what I mean? I think some people out there just need to know that this stuff can be done. You can look at life through a different lens. You don't have now. I get a lot of shit and I hate that. I get a lot of shit, but I do because they're like, yeah, but you can walk, you can talk, you can do this. You can do that. Physically. You don't have any issues. And I'm like, well, first off, thanks for being a dick and diminishing my deficits. That's fine. Um, but on the flip side, it's like, yeah, Rachel, you suffer some physical deficits, you know? And you suffer like some visual deficit, like you can't see without the world shaking. You are still coming at me with positivity and care and and, like just the energy that's coming off you. Like, I love that. You know what I mean? You're showing people you're proving to people, hey, it can be done despite the cards that are given to you. You know, like you can. And I'll, I'll say this a lot. Every single stroke survivor, every single brain injury survivor out there has the right to be a dick. You could be bitter and angry. And it's like, yeah, I kind of understand that. It takes true like strength to flip it around and be like, yeah, that sucks. And because two things can be true. It sucks. And I'm still here to live my best life. And you are living your best life. And I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, Rachel, I mean, you're inspiring. <laughs> thank you. That's kind of my goal. I started an Instagram page to try to just promote positivity and have people follow me who are kind of going through something. And to show them that you, they can do anything that they put their mind to and they should be positive and just happy and live life to the fullest. And it sounds so cliche, but it's just how I see it. And I just want people to know that like it's possible to live a happy life after something terrible happens. It's, oh my gosh, Rachel, you know, I'm a fan of yours already. You're you're making me an even bigger fan. Like I'm putting you on a pedestal now. Like you're you're you're, you're up there because I, I I just love the 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 way that you're, you're thinking. I I think it's absolutely incredible. I love the fact that you've taken something so negative that could be so negative in your life and you've turned it into, into a positive. And instead of shying away and hiding, you've come out full front and said, "Hey, this is me. This is my recovery." This is recovering with rage. Um, th- you know, this is my story. This is my book. This is my life. And you know, you're choosing to not just recover, but help others recover, you know, and live your best life and help others along the way and show them that it's possible. I fucking love that. Rachel, I'm just really excited. Like I am you know. <laughs> now. So we are now coming up to the, the part of show. We are the neuro nerds over here, Rachel. 
So I will mm-hmm. ask you, what's your nerdum? We all have nerdum, something we're oddly passionate about. What are you oddly passionate about? Okay, so I would say prior to my brain surgery, I was able to do a lot of things that I'm not able to do now. So I kind of had to find a hobby that I was able to do. <laughs> so I would say my nerdum is like finding the best coffee shops and drinking the best coffee. Because I really can't do like a lot of the things that I used to do. I used to snowboard and just be very active. And like, to me, just getting a good cup of coffee and finding like the best coffee is like my nerdum. I love it. I am. Okay. You're, you're where I just said, I'm putting you on a pedestal. I got to put you on an even higher pedestal because I'm like a (laughs) massive coffee dude. Now I get made fun of all the time. The co-host of my podcast, Lauren, She's like, you don't drink coffee. You drink shit because she's an asshole. (laughs) So She is a coffee snob. Like she is. Oh, my God. I can't even describe to you the kind of like passionate. She has so many nerdums. Coffee is one of them. She was a barista back in the day. She constantly makes fun of my coffee. But I love coffee. If I could if it was safe to only drink coffee all day, I would like I really would. (laughs) It's so good. And next time. I'm on the East Coast. We're going to hang out and you're going to bring me to your favorite coffee joint and we're going to hang oh. out. That's got to right. be a thing. And Word. I'm also going to give you a big hug. And I'm going to pick you up because that's what I do to my people. Uh, I can't wait to meet you in person. I'm so excited. I'll show you the best coffee in Jersey. Oh, yeah. If you <laughs> I, I want to go to that one little independent coffee shop. I heard good things. What's it called? Starbucks. <laughs> oh no, I'm definitely a coffee snob. Starbucks is okay. Duncan, hell no. Duncan is just no, no, no. I, I make I fun not. of uh, one of my dearest friends, Mackenzie. I, um, she's constantly, every time I see her, she has like one of those fraps. And I'm like, oh, how's your diabetes coffee? It's just sugar. <laughs> it's just sugar. Like, I, I, I hate it. I'm an it espresso is. guy. So every morning I drink the same double espresso, uh, Scuro espresso from. Um, uh, an espresso. Also, like I'm a dark coffee guy. Okay. Like if it's mud, I'm in. You know what I mean? Like yeah. something like yeah. really just dark and strong. Like I want it. Like that. That's what I want. I, I'm I, just I, I happy that you said that because I saw your cup and I thought you were drinking like Folgers, and I was oh. judging you. I was judging you. I'm not gonna lie. Rach, do I look like an? Do I look like an animal? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a human being over here and I drink my fancy Nespresso coffee. Now, again, it's not like super fancy, but it's the fanciest stuff I think you can get at home without actually grinding your own stuff. So I'm like, I'm like right in the middle. It's like the Netflix of coffee. You know, it's just like it's real quick. It's easy. It's it's readily available. I think it's top tier. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel. I, I think you're 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 absolutely amazing. Now, if people wanted to and you should check out Rachel's book. Where can they pick that up? So I have a website. Um, you can buy it on Amazon, but you can also go through my website, which is um, just my first and last name, www.rachelhaverman.com. Or you can just look up my book on Amazon. Um, it's called To the Abyss by Rachel Haverman. So Boom! Yeah. That'll be in the show notes, absolutely. And if the people wanted to reach out and just say, "Hey, how would they do that?" I do have an email, so you can reach out to to the abyss um, Rachel at gmail.com. And on the socials, socials, I am 
recover with rage. Please follow me and you won't be disappointed. You absolutely will not because I follow Rachel and I am never disappointed. I think you're amazing. I really, truly think the world of you. I I'm a huge mindset guy. Like I really am. I think with our mind, we can do anything. You know, we can live our best lives despite anything that's happening in life. If we have the right mindset and we're going about it, you, my friend, have the absolute right mindset that I think we all should have. And I'm, I'm so thankful that you came on the show. I'm so thankful for you. I actually feel blessed to be you know, consider you a friend of mine. Like I, I really am. I'm so thankful that we connected and that you've been so open and, and just so, um, you know, transparent with your story. It, it's, it's beautiful. It's inspiring to watch. And I truly, truly appreciate you. So definitely go check out, um, Rachel online, go reach out to her. She's very kind. Definitely go pick up her book either on the website or on Amazon. Um, yeah. And just say, hi, Rachel's dope. Come on, man. You heard her. <laughs> I will say that on Instagram, you are my number one fan. You're always gassing me up and commenting, liking. I I'll it. tell you why it's easy. It really is. It's not like going out of my way to be like, uh, no, it's like really, really easy. It's like, oh shit, that's dope. Oh my God. How amazing are you? Like, really? It's that easy. Definitely. You guys should be doing the same. And if you wanted to reach out and attempt to reach out to my tiny ass kicking co-host, Lauren, you can at Lauren El Manzano on Instagram. You want to reach out to us at the neuro nerds everywhere. You want to reach out to me at Joseph rocks on all the socials everywhere. It's just the end social thing, you know, <laughs> definitely reach out to, to, to Rachel. Rachel, I am so thankful you're on the show. I'm so proud of your recovery. You overachiever five strokes, three brain surgeries. Can we be done with that now? Yeah. Can we be done with that now? And on that recovery with Rach and this overachiever. Well, you know what? Let's not be done with that. Let's be done with the, the surgeries. Let's just go gung ho and be an overachiever in recovery, which you already are. Like, I, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm good with that, too. <laughs> Rachel, you're a rock star. On that note, this neuro nerd is out. Thank you. Five, five strokes. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Stop guessing me. You? <laughs> oh, one surgery like a regular survivor. Get out of here. Give, give me two more. Hey, survivors, caregivers, and nerds of all kinds. We are so grateful for each and every one of you who have taken the time to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really makes our day. Not only do we read every single one, but we love reading them on our episodes. So if you haven't already, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It really helps us spread the word about the show. And when you do, just let us know by tagging at the NeuroNerds on Twitter. We might even read your review on our next episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.